Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos. This is episode 39. And we have, as everybody can see, we have a returning guest. Uh, and unfortunately, we have a returning of one of the hosts replacing our Aussie buddy, Melon. Um, welcome back, Raph. Where have you been? Um, I've been busy working. And uh, I, I'm not replacing Melon. I thought Melon got fired. That's the only reason I came back, because I thought he left the show. Did you give me wrong the wrong G two? Are you? Did you lie to me just to lure me in? Uh, I might have. That's uh, that's a possibility. But but it is not true. Melon did not get fired. But see, the vote from the people matter. And Raph and I, we try keep trying to find a replacement. Which we've had great guests, and we keep throwing offers out there. But unfortunately, it's like Melon says he's working. He's really not working. He's just. Laying by the pool in Riyadh with his aviators on, having a few cold ones and telling stories. But he would leave you to believe that he's working. So that's why he's not here this week. He's uh, busy. But I'd like to welcome back our guest from last week. We thought he did a phenomenal job. So if, if, uh, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. I apologize for my audio. Technology just does not work sometimes the way you want it to. But... Uh, Cameron Hamilton is back, uh, friend of ours, and uh, you know we've had some couple good conversations throughout the week privately, and just a lot of good stuff came up about it. But as we said, hey, we'd love to have you back, and he immediately hit us up the next day and was like, "Man, I appreciate the opportunity, and maybe we could talk about trust." And I think that's such a big topic, especially today with the access to everything that we have. And uh, lots of uh, pitfalls definitely waiting for us when it comes to trust. But anyways, welcome back, Cam. And uh, how was your week, brother? Hey, thank you, gentlemen. Good to be back. Good to be here. My week was good. Busy, but very good. Um, you know, plenty of opportunities to show trust or lack thereof. <laughs> plenty of chances and time to uh, to really wrestle with this concept that is, I think, pretty critical. And it's just... Unfortunately, it's not, uh, I think it's something people are craving, but it's not something that's in high supply. I'll put it that way. So mm. maybe the supply is low, but the desire and the, the drive for it is, is high. And so you know, I think that's why when people see it, they, they latch onto it. They, they, they crave it. So, Well, you're definitely right, dude, because I, I forget the quote, so I'm not going to mess it up, but it basically is talking about, you know, how many people want certain things and then how many people are willing to put in the work for certain things. But then you look at it from another lane of who even knows how to begin the work. Right. So I feel like a lot of people want a lot of things, but they don't know exactly where to apply their energy or time or focus. And they're kind of like, well, somebody come over here and guide me or talk to me about things so I can kind of get in the right direction because I'm completely lost and I have no idea how to get there. You know, everybody wants to get to, you know, see, but it's just like, man, I have no, no idea even where to go to find A, you know, so I like how mm -hmm. you said that, Hammy. But yeah, so uh, nothing much going on on this end. Like I said, Melon's gone, so this is probably going to be a better episode. And uh, 
that's Hammy. That's something that we do here, man. It's you know, it's just like being back in the military, and you know, the banter, and the you know, in the pilot room, the team room, the Raph. What are, what are the officers? What do they call them? The the ward room, or what's the warrant officers? Is it called like the snack shack? Because you guys don't really do anything. <laughs> no, we call it the wolves den. The wolves den. Mm, that sounds uh, awesome. Or more that- like a. Maybe we're more like coyotes. I don't know. We're not coyotes. that vicious. Okay. Well, either way, all right, it doesn't change the fact that you just show up, shake hands with everybody, tell a few jokes so everybody remembers that you did show up, and then you peace out. All right. But, uh, <laughs> which is going to go great. Man. Which is going to go hot. Coming in hot today. <laughs> you know what? You Someone the- took shots at me first last week, so I'm going to I'm gonna be on the offensive this time. It's true. But, it's true. but you like a little spicy today. Yeah, but he left out the most uh, quintessential part, which is you leave your cover laying around so people think you physically are there. Because you have to be there to leave your cover there. That's just science. Hashtag science. (laughs) Oh, my God. You leave evidence of your presence all around. I like it. That's right. Which leads into this topic of this week is I trust that you're here, right? I trust that you're actually doing your job. (laughs) But, uh... So this one was Hammy's idea, and instantly, I think it took a whole, like, 12 seconds for us to be like, hey, perfect, perfect, man, because we haven't done a specific episode on trust, but obviously trust is built within our life around every aspect, right? Whether it's a relationship at work with your kids, you know, pretty much everywhere. Relationship means other people, ultimately, right? Um, Not just yourself. So, Hammy, what brought this up for you because when we had a conversation about dude you can bring up any topic and something that's relevant what made you want to pick this topic yeah thanks for the question um so our last discussion i think we talked about servant leadership and that is a really integral characteristic that i try to embody and live by fortunately for everyone i fail miserably many times but it's a good opportunity to to really show the characteristics of leadership and managing others and to live the life as I'm meant to live um, as, as the father would have me live. But with servant leadership comes the implication of trust. You know, leadership is only, it only goes so far as we have a social contract or some kind of an agreement in place to actually opine and support, you know, our leaders. So I thought that the natural nexus to it and, you know, Mellon, he mentioned at the end of the last discussion about trust and how, Really, when you create an environment that fosters growth, development, innovation, it has to be built on a foundation of trust. Otherwise, it has no way of sustaining itself. It, it becomes, you know, cataclysmic. It just becomes chaos. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what naturally led into this conversation. But I do think, from my own experience, trust is a really, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a key word, trust. But very few people have, I think, really broken down the characteristics of what it takes to earn it, what it, ca- what it takes to sustain it, um, what it looks like in a daily life. And I say this myself included because I know that I can pontificate all I want, but until you apply it, you know, practical philosophy, if you will, until you apply it, it becomes challenging to really wrap your mind around such a simple word. Um, one, one, one thing I love about you know, ancient cultures is that they have words that mean many things. Um, so, for example, you know, you have uh, in ancient Greece, the word polis. If you describe what the word polis, you think, oh, yeah, politics. No, 
to, a, to an ancient Greek more than 2,000 years ago, the word polis has a much more significant implication than just politics. Citizenry engaging in activities. Responsibility of, of the individual. Uh, you know, there's a lot of characteristics you could wrap up into that word about participating in the, this broad word polis. And I think trust is one that really we have in our culture that uh, that you could you could expand into a greater series of many different meanings or explanations or concepts and principles that are summarized in a singularly you know, small five-letter word. Yeah. So, um, so I, I for me, trust is the bedrock of leadership. Trust is the bedrock of so many characteristics of my faith. Uh, trust yeah. is paramount towards having a conversation with someone else and with just many things in life. You know, you you trust every day when you when you purchase things, when you engage in conversations, when you drive. You know, there's a there, we apply trust in so many scenarios, and if we break it down and unpack that word, I think it's there's quite a quite a profound meaning. Yeah, no, no, perfect opening for it, man. And for the listeners, you know, <laughs> I'm sitting here going about my day, and it's just like, man, who trusted me today, and who did I have to trust? All right, and, and if I was to like sit here and write all those down. There's probably more than you think, right? Because ultimately we wake up and unless you're uh, a caveman living in a hole somewhere and you don't talk to anybody and you're a complete introvert, somebody somewhere probably depended on you or you depended on them throughout your day, right? Whether it's going to work, like Cammy said, your family, your your, your kids, uh, you, your neighbor, you know, hey, maybe your neighbor depends on you to do something or your parents, you know, whatever. Uh, it's pretty interesting to think about. and. Uh, Trust is definitely that bedrock. I do agree because if there's no trust, then there's no relationship, you know, for the most part, you, you might be uh, attached because you have to be for one reason or another, but there's, there's no true spiritual, emotional type relationship uh, between the two. And then, uh, you know, it brings other things like confidence and dependability and like all those type of things add into it as well. But with trust, uh, I think that, you know, that's a strong word in today's society. You hear a lot of that because there's so many challenges to break it, in, in my opinion, you know, and, um, you know, we can we can talk about that and then how to respond to it. But, you know, I think right now is, you know, we talked about building it at the beginning of like, hey, I know I want trust. I know I want to get to see, but what's A? So let's have a conversation to kick this off and how to build trust within a group or, or an organization. Uh, Raph, you can kick this one off, man, since, you know, warrant officers are basically the glue of, uh, you know, the military and you guys build everything, do all the back-breaking work. Um, how do you, and what are some points that you would say you could do to build trust within a group or an organization? After you take yourself off mute. Because, yeah, the, the, folks, this is what we got to deal with. We're talking about amateur hour here. He'll blame it on the Spokane Wi-Fi or uh, Elon Musk's uh, space net or whatever he's got on. It's simply because he forgot to push the button, okay? No, my wife's cooking, so I just had a – she's making a delicious steak, and you can hear the sizzling in the back. So I was trying to create some distance so you could hear me clearly. So that, but that's a good, uh, kind of going back to what Hammy said, I think it's kind of important. If you said that that's, I like the word nexus, right? It's like the beginning of, of, uh, something that's 
that's pretty crucial in just about any relationship. And I know right now that we're kind of specifically talking about like a work type organization. But I think it's also important to note that I think trust has two different levels. I think there's practical trust and then there's emotional trust. Like practical trust is kind of what Tammy was talking about where, you know, you're driving down the uh, road and it's kind of an express, kind of an express agreement that you're going to stay on your lane. I'm going to stay on mine and I'm going to just trust that we're going to continue down this road and you're not just going to swerve over to me. Now we know that it's broken all the time, but generally that's how we start off the day. Emotional trust is more like the deep rooted trust that I think people really are seeking. Um, You know, we join the military and you, you just, and not all units are like this, but there are certain units you get there and you're like, man, these guys, I would take a bullet for every one of these guys without, without hesitation. Like I would literally, and I know that in, you know, the special operations community, I mean, you hear stories about guys smothering grenades and not, not even thinking twice to save a bunch of other men in that room. So I think that it's important to highlight the difference between practical trust and emotional trust. And I think emotional trust is the trust that, that kind of trust that's congruent with what really people are seeking because that's what gives you fulfillment that's literally what will kind of bring about purpose in your life or you know they kind of go hand in hand and then to because uh, i kind of like just when we knew when i knew that we were talking about this i kind of uh, went back and kind of reviewed my harvard uh business review uh pamphlets that i like to read from time to time because they're really great on specific aspects of leadership and i'm so i'm just going to steal some some uh bullet points from them and one of the most important things that you need to acquire, you need to own in order to build trust is high, emo- like high levels of emotional intelligence because trust is all about managing your emotions and the emotions of the people around you, right? Like you have to be able to understand when someone's having a bad day or not having a bad day. And listen, we all fail miserably at that. That's probably one of the more challenging things because you might be on a high, your frequency might be high. And you're the person that you're working with might be in a low frequency and you might misread that. And, you know, the way you communicate now is going to be almost kind of um, catastrophic. Like it, pretend you could say the wrong thing that could trigger them or could kind of make them think that you don't care or, or that sort of thing. And, and trust me, this is a pitfall I think any one of us can fall into. So it's really, really important that you try to exercise that ability to the highest degree possible. Um, the other one they talk about is being completely transparent. And I think we would all agree agree with this. And this is just simply saying like, you know, really, really, if you want to build trust in an organization, you need to put yourself out of the center of it and stop, you know, because we're all human, we're all egocentric. But if you put yourself out of the center of it, meaning whatever the outcome is, it should not benefit you. It should benefit the team. It should benefit anybody else but you. And by default, it will benefit you. You need have to. You need to just be, have to believe that. But it really needs to start with you not being e- being egocentric. You not putting yourself at the center of it and just going. You know what? I am. Even if you're the leader, especially if you're the leader, it's not about you. It's about your entire team and making sure that they're all successful. And then I would say the uh, the third one, just from again reading this uh, Harbor uh, Business Review on on building trust. It's besides the fact that you're you know there's a common purpose. Really, let's not forget, man. Let's not, you have to be competent. If you're not competent, work. I don't care how nice of a person you are, we're not going to trust you. Competence is like, I would say it's right up there with emotional IQ. You have to be competent at whatever it is that you, at whatever task, whatever, whatever skill sets are required. Um, I mean, that, that's it. It can't be non-existent. 
you know, because then you really don't have that third leg, that third um, thing to kind of lean on. So I, I would say that's kind of how you, those are just the basic fundamentals to build trust in an organization. If that, if that kind of helps, that's kind of my two cents with, with what I've read uh, and what I've, how I've understood it, right, in the last couple of years. No, those are solid points, Raph. I, I really like that the, uh, the egocentric part, you know, because a lot of people can say, oh, hey, you can trust me or yeah, 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 I got, I got you covered. I'll take care of you. I'll do this. I'll do that. And then literally they turn around and go do the complete opposite. And then, you know, they, they're, they're, they're stealing the thunder. They're taking your credit and like doing whatever. And it's just, again, it's not about the organization. Right. And, and then people are like, oh yeah, I'm never telling you anything ever again, because obviously I can't trust you to do what we agreed upon. Right. And if, if I could just add one more thing, and it's kind of interesting, and I forgot to mention this in the beginning, they actually, in the book, it actually says that to really comprehend, to go down that road of building trust, you need to accept the burden of building that trust, meaning it's, meaning it's going to really come at a cost, emotional, physical, you know, it's staying late, doing things that you're not going to want to do. Um, even if you're, you know, like, let's say like, yeah, I'm willing to do this, but physiologically, you're like, oh man, I'm exhausted and your heart's not in it. And so they're just saying like, Building trust is a legitimate burden. It's not easy. It's anything but easy. And you need to accept that before you go forward. Because if not, you know, it's going to be, you know, kind of a, a two-inch puddle. It's not going to be very deep. And there's not going to be a whole lot a whole lot there. And you're not going to reach that, like I said, that that bifurcated, that, that emotional trust. The practical trust is easy. It's the emotional trust that we should always strive to achieve. It's also the hardest. Yeah. Well, as Hammy said, you know, that's part of, uh, you know, last week's episode is the servant leadership, you know, is, is exactly it's the staying late, it's the being there, being present to your people, you know, doing the stuff when you're physically exhausted and doing the extra 5%, 10%, whatever it takes is just like, hey, I'm here. Yeah, it's a burden. It's not always fun. It's not always comfortable, um, you know, and you got to you got to deal with that. Um, yeah, it's great. Let's switch over to Hammy here. What do you got, man? When it comes to trust and building it, too, I think a, a critical characteristic, Raph, I think you touched on it, um, but you may not have focused on it in quite the way that I will right now. But I definitely you know, appreciate some of the comments that you made. I think that is critically important. Um, we have to, to, to create an environment of trust. We have to mold our character behind the attributes that we wish to see in the unit, in the organization. Um, and so there's that degree of you know accountability. That comes with trust. Um, so, one of the one of the best ways to to consider do I have trust in the environment is, well, am I doing the things that everyone's expected to be doing, on a practical level? You know, if we have, you know, your your employer and you don't supervise your employees when they arrive on scene, first thing in the morning, there has to be a sense of trust. Well, you set the tone there by leadership. You set the tone of expectations by arriving on time, or in fact, by arriving even before on time. Um, and so, I think that we have to seek to embody the characteristics of what is in an environment of trust um, first before we can ever expect or demand trust of others. And trust is a really, really critical thing um, because we have to decentralize decisions and, you know, move out into a, into a fostering community of accountability and autonomy in some degree. And there, you know, trust is, is an interlinker between that with how, you know, we can create an organization or a brotherhood or a friendship or a, a family unit that can do that. Um, so I think it starts with, you know, how do I embody the characteristics that is worthy of trust? 
And we have to break that down further even too, you know, my doing all the things and the responsibilities. And and so usually when one of the great ways I, I like to look at how do we gain trust is laying everything down and objectively analyzing what are the expectations. Um, and, and that comes with a relationship that comes with a business deal that comes with a responsibility of a job, you know, work requirements. Um, but let's let's firmly and objectively lay down what are the expected, quote unquote, deliverables here that that everyone has to provide. Um, and then being very objective, very rational, and then pulling in tools to go forth and accomplish those things. And then from there, you know, you, you build upon an aspect of trust with to, to move one foot in front of the other and then to embody them. And then you have various, you know, love the, the quote given by Reagan, trust, but verify. Then you have these quality control tools that come in and that observe and that, you know, just ensure that that trust is appropriately guided, appropriately extended. Um, trust is not always the same as faith because there are some people that I think wrap those two terms in. They're very, they're very similar. There are characteristics that I think overlap between the two, but they're certainly not the same. Um, and I would probably separate them by attributing trust to more of a um, seeing and expecting, um, you know, pragmatic and or reasonable outcomes to a given context is probably a way that I would describe trust. You know, you see a pattern of behavior or a pattern of of, of actions or responses that that, that unfold and you develop an expectation based upon the the likelihood of a continuation of that process or of a, uh, of a of a dramatic change of course, or frankly, you don't expect anything because the pattern of behavior has been completely unpredictable and chaotic and random. So therefore, you expect more randomness, um, and which then impacts your ability to trust. So, I think in that same light, how do we gain trust by molding our character and our habits in such a way? so that others actively seek to trust you. Um, and so we think about that too, you know, so how do, how do I promote trust? You know, I've got a business, I've got a, um, I've got a, a family unit, I've got a friendship that's really had some, some challenges. Um, embody the characteristics that would cause them to want to leave their, their most prized possession in your care. Um, and so, and there's, there's parables all throughout, I mean, Solomon's wisdom and the Proverbs that, that go through this topic over and over and over. Um, and so, and we have so many different examples, you know, von Clausewitz talks all about trust uh, and this kind of decentralized command in his war, you know, von Craig uh, on war, where he has another book called Principles in Times of War, where he breaks down this this, this topic as well uh, about kind of autonomous, autonomous leadership. And, and uh, to steal a quote from, from Jocko Willink in his podcast, which I love, um, even though sometimes, you know, it, it's a different style that he has. And I, and I I definitely learned quite a bit, but um, one thing that I that I really appreciate um, about you know some of the characteristics of developing and fostering trust and and using examples of wartime is because wartime and conflict are simply the characteristics of human expression, emotion, and decisions where the consequences are the most extreme. Um, and so it's not necessarily that you know wartime is a is 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 what we should be shooting for, and we shouldn't always use wartime references. But I just like it because it it is a more extreme version of the decisions and lives of individuals where the consequences are simply more, you know, uh, more cataclysmic, more more impactful, uh, you know, where lives may be at stake. Um, so you can see some more extreme representations of these different perspectives and leadership styles. So 
Um, really, really critical. You mind if I read a quote from actually uh, von Clausewitz, you know, principles in times of war? Yeah, yeah. If you if you don't mind, Hammy, just real quick. Um, you know, my points have already been kind of kind of thrown in there. If there's one little thing, I'll add to it though. Uh, on building, you know, uh, Raf Raf talked about uh, you know boundaries, rules that are agreed upon. You know, and Hammy touched on that too. It's very important when you're starting out with boundaries or rules or expectations that they are agreed upon. It's not my rules and it's not your rules. It's our rules. It's our expectations, our ethos. Like, what do we want? You know, what's supposed to happen? Uh, and then in between, the part that I want to add in is discuss the obstacles or the possibilities that we will more than likely be facing. So there's no surprises, right? We can have... We can we can sit here and talk, you know, and be act like we're perfect. We're, oh, we're going to be the perfect couple, and we're we're always going to love each other. We're always we're never going to have challenges. Nobody will ever steal you away. No, you know, uh, this job will never get old, or this, you know, whatever. We can go down there and, and live in that world. But the real conversation needs to happen is, hey, when this happens, because we both know this is going to happen at work. This is going to happen personally. This is going to happen wherever. Uh, what are the possibilities of it and how do we plan to address it? Because I don't want to break your trust. Right. And it's very important to have those out there. And then, yeah, I agree. Same thing. The only way to test it is by action, right? Exposure. So it's like, Hey, I'm going to trust you not to go out and drink your face off tonight. As soon as you get off of work. I know, I know, I know. And then it's just like, I wait two hours after you get off of work and then I'm FaceTiming you. And it's like, what are you doing? I'm at the bar drinking, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, okay, well, Hey, the action said that you, you couldn't meet the mark and now I can't trust you. You know, it's, it, it's there, it's black and white. Uh, and you can't deny it. Right. Uh, and we'll get into the, 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 the broken side and how to fix it, but go ahead, Hammy. I just want to throw in that little quick recap and my addition of the obstacles, but go ahead with your quote. Yeah, absolutely. Those are, those are certainly critical points. Um, you know, in, in section four of his applications of the principles in times of war, von Clausewitz writes, you know, generally we are not nearly as well acquainted with the position of measures of the enemy as we assume in our plan and operations. The minute we begin carrying out our decision, and again, this is an English translation because he was a Prussian, Prussian general, so most of the context we can apply, but probably we do appreciate the full uh, veracity of the quote, you know, we'd have to see it in the native language in which it was written in German. Um, the minute we begin carrying out our decision, a thousand doubts arise about the dangers in which might develop if we have been seriously mistaken in our plan. A feeling of uneasiness, which often takes hold of a person about to perform something great, will take possession of us, and from this uneasiness to, this in, to indecision, and from there to half measures, which are small and scarcely discernible steps. So then further on, down in section three, we must therefore be confident. The general measures we have adopted will produce results we expect. Most important, this connection is the trust which we must have in our lieutenants. Consequently, it is important to choose men of whom we can rely and put aside all other considerations. If we have made appropriate preparations, taking into account all possible misfortunes so that we shall not be lost immediately if they occur, we must boldly advance into the shadows of uncertainty. And I think... One of the key things that I love about Napoleon and von Clausewitz and many other great military leaders and, and, and strategists of their day, granted, certainly imperfect people with their own 
uh, strange, you know, characteristics of their behavior and lifestyle that some of which were great and noble, some of which were absolutely abhorrent. Uh, but to be an equal offender of all, I think what I love about von Clausewitz specifically is so much of the principles he speaks in rights of are pertaining to the human psyche, pertaining to battlefield psychology. And because they understood that the mind is a powerful thing and the mind can deceive or the mind can be a great informer of decisions and rationale and allow you to deduce and make 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 choices that are you know based upon uh, a clear path of success or a clear path of you know failure and so i think what he's talking about here is we must appoint these lieutenants who are trained and what you don't pull directly from the language is you know they've gone through this training they've gone through that they've been groomed and the expectation is that they've already gone through that that pathway men whom we can trust um you know, it is important to choose men who we can rely on putting aside all other considerations. I think sometimes now people choose to live in a degree of comfort um, and they want to appease people that might be involved in their lives um, without necessarily considering, is this actually someone that I can trust? Is this actually a person that I can invest time, energy, and be willing to be harmed by? Am I willing to put things in place uh, so that if they do not perform, I can say uh, that I was willing to stand in their shoes or that I was willing to allow them to be responsible for things I, I care about most. And that's one thing that's really funny. When you think about trust, who can I trust? How do I gain it? Um, look at the people whom you would consider it wise to leave some of your greatest possessions or your most important things in life with. Look at those people that you would have around you, that you know, that you've read about, that you would wholeheartedly give responsibility to govern something so vitally important to you. Um, you know, and then what characteristics do they display that cause you to believe I can trust them with this, uh, this great responsibility, this great amount of wealth. Um, and so, and, and that's a funny thing too, because you see, you see people have relationships with some individuals that have, that are all over the map, but at the end of the day, they don't trust those folks with their finances. Who do they really trust? They trust, you know, individual X or individual Y or company company Z over here because the decision making follows a pattern of expectable outcome and and there's a willingness to, you know, to to sacrifice and to embody the characteristics worthy of trust. Um and so I think that's important there too with you know, well, how do we build it? Well, we build it by doing that in our own lives. We build it by by embodying those characteristics in ourselves and modeling that for others. Because how many times have we learned from someone by watching what they do? And we always say, you know, flat or, uh, you know, uh, what was it? What's the quote? I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, mimicry is the, the ultimate compliment. And again, if we embody the characteristics worthy of trust, you know, when you say you will, you will do a thing, you do it. You follow through. Even like you said, Raph, you sacrifice your time, your energy, your health. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. Ah, got these responsibilities, well, buckle down and do it. Otherwise, don't give your word. And if you're unable to give your word, be honest and sincere about it. I can't promise you uh, that I can do this thing because then you're not giving someone a false sense of trust, which is where I hope we go here in just a moment about what to do when there's been a breach of that trust. Um, so, yeah, Hammy, I love that point and uh, exactly what you said, being being very honest. You know, is somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want, you know, I have this for you to do or I'm depending on you or I'm trusting you uh, for this to take place. 
if you can't do it and you know you can't do it, then you need to you, you need to say I can't do it right now. And and it, you may not have to give a specific reason. Maybe it's a personal reason or you know something else like that. But don't just throw that that word around like it's meaningless, right? Because then it gets overused, it gets watered down, and then that person's never going to trust anybody again. Because they're like, oh, guess what? I heard that before. I heard that before. And I just want to appease you. I just want to I want to keep you in this corner while I do this other thing or whatever I'm doing. So I'm just going to tell you so you don't go anywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's straight selfishness. And, you know, um, <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation right there. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. But let's let's talk about that. So what happens, you know, we start this process and we're building it. Maybe we establish it. Maybe it's good for a while, right? Lots of businesses are like that. Relationships end up being like that because there's so much influence in, in both um, that, that, that pull us the wrong way, right? And like you said, Hammy, <laughs> the mind sometimes will make you do, you know, it sends you down a crazy rabbit hole that you don't want to go down, but like the thoughts that come in that maybe never even happened yet, the fears, they're going to drive you away from doing the right thing sometimes, right? And every single person on this show and listening to this is all guilty of it, right? There's not one person that it hasn't happened to. Everybody's experienced it. Nobody's perfect. But what we need to do, and I, and I know each one of us have, have done this, including Melon, is... uh what do we do? What are some things and actions we can take when trust is broken? Right? There's either, you know, there's two ways. All right. Trust is broken. I'm done. I'm walking away. Never talking to you again. That's my line. Hey, you got to respect that. Right? That's their boundary. That That's how they feel. And you, you can't just keep going. Right? Because it's been broken. You can't, you can't blow up a bridge and then be like, hey, uh, can I come back over there real quick? Like, you know, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. Their connection is gone. Um, yeah. yeah, but, uh, you know. I definitely have some thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, you know, a breach of trust. Uh, number one, you know, modulate your expectations uh, to, to be practical, to be based upon objective reality. Um, and that it's crazy that we're even mentioning that because, you know, even objective reality these days is something that I think people need to wrestle with. We all need to check our egos and embrace humility to really look at reality with, with a, without rose-colored lenses, if you will. And so I think by remaining objective, breaking things down, seeking wise counsel, and then embodying humility, that's a, that's a good starting point. Um, and I think with that, you can then pull upon other you know, factors and decisions and rationales that then you know, allow you to process this more clearly. I love the quote. There's a quote from Epictetus or Epictetus uh, about at the start of, or I'm sorry, Marcus Aurelius. I, I keep, I bounce back and forth because they're pretty heavily influential. Um, so Marcus Aurelius in his meditations, he writes about, you know, at the start of the day, tell yourself, I shall meet people who are officious, ungrateful, abusive, treacherous, malicious, and selfish. In every case, this is usually due to their ignorance of good and bad. Uh, and so I think part of that is understanding that trust is very emotionally invoking when it's violated. Because it almost it, it it's as though it's as though where something's being torn in the fabric of humanity, you know the the sense that there is an expectation and a promise or something given here, and it just it is like a calculator that doesn't that doesn't compute correctly. We see it as awful, um, and so throughout culture, throughout various cultures, you know, a breach of trust is considered one of the most 
heinous forms of, of, you know, engagement between human beings, which makes sense because it should, you know, there's an implied sense of, you know, partially faith, partially a rational outcome and expectation of behavior based upon pre-established norms. Um, and so I think understanding that this will happen prior to it happen is is one of the starting points. Mm-hmm. Number two, embracing humility and thinking objectively so that you can process it will foster greater trust and actually repair relationships when sometime an injury has occurred as opposed to a heavily or emotionally invested reaction that is retaliatory. It doesn't mean retaliation is not appropriate. Sometimes it is. But you have to very clearly distinguish when that is and when it's not and modulate depending on the circumstance. And so I think when you can when you can break the emotions down and you've had someone who's who's harmed you, who's caused a mistrust against you, and they see your reaction and response to it that is with grace, with dignity. It doesn't mean you're not firm, but it means you you understand the implications. Um uh, you understand the circumstances. You, don't, you may not merit it or even agree with it. You may think, I, I don't care that you broke my trust. This is wrong. You know, I, maybe I'm willing to forgive you, but it's still a wrong action that was pursued, that was taken here. Um, but when you see that the individuals who you've violated trust with have handled this breach with humility, with dignity, with objectivity, and with an, a, a willingness to help reconcile, I think that's where you have power. And that's where you really can impact others in a significant way. And that's when I think you can maneuver this this conflict, this disagreement into a position that gets closer towards true reconciliation. Um, and so that's, I just go ahead. No, man. I mean, number one, I want to commend you on the uh, thesaurus that you are because some of the words you use just really put put me to shame uh, because Raph, I swear, sometimes he looks in the dictionary before we do an episode and he picks out like three words. And, and again, this is the warrant officer way. He uh, He's like, man, I'm going to sound extra smart today. Like I showed up prepared and he'll use three di- three new words and he thinks we don't notice when I'm sitting there I'm like, I know what you did. But I'm, I'm kind of jealous. If you want to know the job, I'm kind of jealous. Because I should have studied a little bit more. So Well, <laughs> I was going to say, it, it's funny that Mike got ahead of this because I was literally about to say the same thing. Like, I'm really, you can articulate this, this subject pretty damn good, man. And clearly, you're, you're well-versed in red. As opposed to the same dude who has very similar background as you, literally sounds like he wakes up every morning and just reads out of a comic book. I mean, <laughs> literally. Like, the, the difference couldn't be more stark. And I just, that fascinates me. Like yeah. one guy has an Oxford mouth and the other guy just, and I'm not going to use, I'm not going to use the word because it's, it's frowned upon. Um, and if but, you caught uh, that, Raph's word for the day was stark. He, that's the word he looked up before we started the show. Just, just, just pointing it out. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. Um, you know, a cu- couple, couple points I got on this. Okay. Uh, hey, we're building, we're building the trust or we have the trust and then it gets broken. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I broke it, if the other person broke it, the number one thing, and we talk about this on other things, ownership and accountability. Absolutely. Number one. Number one. Take ownership for your part in it and take accountability for any of the actions that you did to contribute. Uh, We said in another episode, very, very, very rarely is it 100% the other person's fault. Right? 
very rarely is it, you know, uh, usually it's, you know, some, something that happens that just continues that pushes you away from your job, from your promise, from your relationship, whatever it is from another, another person or another company, like whatever it is, something's pushing you away to, to, you know, action reaction type thing. Mm. So when something bad happens, the trust gets broken and you stop, you go, okay, what did I do to contribute to this? Yeah, I I gotta own that. That's my fault, right? Because mm-hmm. the first thing that everybody wants to do now is play the victim. Every you know, it, it's so acceptable. Like, oh hey, you didn't get this job, you're the victim. Point the finger. Hey, oh you, this relationship failed. Well, it's not your fault. It's the other person's fault. You know, and it's the it's the 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 tribe culture of just like, oh no, you're completely right. We're there to support you, and everything that you do is right. You right. Know, you never do wrong. Okay. Great friends, great support system. In the long run, are they really fixing what's deep down that only we know as individuals is wrong? Yeah. Probably not. Because how many times have you have you broken trust? Somebody comes to you and go, oh, hey, man, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But inside, you're like, oh, brother, if you only knew, I messed this up. And yeah. this is my fault, right? And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I'm not acting like I'm, I'm clean by any means. Um, anyways, if I can pull from an example, yeah, go um, ahead. so there was a, there was a, something that I went through that I won't, I won't go into all the details of, but, uh, uh, an extreme trust was betrayed against me by, by another. And it wasn't someone that I was, I would say particularly close to. It was someone that I had worked, I'd worked with and we, we had a closeness of a relationship, but, um, and no, Mike, it's not you. Um, <laughs> just to make that clear, <laughs> um, so it was someone that I had I had a working relationship with, and something uh, a, a a breach of trust occurred uh, that really unnerved me. It it, it made me very frustrated, um, and I I was visibly and physically you know upset about it. Uh, it impacted me for a while. It impacted the way I saw them. It impacted our ability to work together. And over time, I will say too. Going back to the quote about Marcus Aurelius, you know what? It, modifying your expectations so that you can reasonably undergo life with an appreciation for the re- reality of humanity and our shortcomings. We have moments of great triumph and just wonderful, you know, attribution of character, and then we have other moments where our agency is just getting the absolute best of us, and it drags us down into the into the complete muck that we don't want to be. And it's such a strange parallel to see these two opposite reactions both present in the same people many many times i've embodied those characteristics um, where i've handled conflict resolution exceptionally and then sometimes where i've handled it terribly and i had to assume ownership for it but in this circumstance i will say in my position in this in this situation i i had to surrender some of the power that this lack of trust had upon me it, it almost hung around like a spiritual darkness is what I'll use to describe it. It was just a an influence on my mind. It corrupted my thoughts. And no matter what, it it affected my ability to remain objective. Um, and it, it even impacted my humility. I saw myself as, you know, how, how could this happen? I don't deserve this. And eventually I had a, a wonderful moment where I stopped and I, I rationalized, what have I done to contribute to this? Uh, and even though you look at the circumstances, I think I mean, in, in reality, I don't think I deserved what happened. But nonetheless, I had to wrestle with the fact that perhaps I had contributed in other ways 
to this unfolding, to where this individual felt that it, it was okay to, to breach this trust. Um, and so you have to swallow that, that pill of humility to give you a better sense of objectivity in what's actually occurred. And so I eventually went up and reconciled this relationship in a way where I acknowledged that this wasn't going to have power over my mindset anymore. And that, yes, this has occurred, and I wish it never had, but that I was willing to move forward. And ironically, in doing that, what immediately happened? More trust than existed before, you know, was the result, was was the consequence of this, frankly, you know, a, a bit emotionally unnerving conversation that I had where I just loitered it all out. And I let my hair down, if you will, and explained, look, I've let this impact me. And instead of rebuking the behavior, I was brutally honest with him. Mm-hmm. And, and I was sincere about the impact it had on my life, my mindset, and how I wasn't going to do that anymore. And how I was going to, I was going to settle this and reconcile this. And I think that was the humility that's needed to be infused into these moments where there is a breach of trust, because what's the goal? The goal isn't to avoid a breach of trust, because, I mean, we should avoid it by all means, but it will happen, no doubt. Why? Because you know, we're sinful creatures, just look at us, um, you know, especially myself. Uh, but the goal is to identify those moments and reconcile. Mm-hmm. And if we can reconcile, it doesn't mean there aren't consequences. It doesn't mean there aren't healthy boundaries, like you had mentioned before, Mike. Um, there certainly can be, and there many times should be healthy boundaries and consequences for certain actions. Yeah. Uh, hey, but, hey, just, just to hop in right there, Hammy, uh, you know, ownership, accountability, and then, you know, he mentioned it is, is apologize. Right. And I think a lot of people initially think that they can just say, I'm sorry. And then everything's fixed or whatever. Very rarely is that the case. And then as you hear this process that, that Cam's talking about is, uh, is what I wrote down, uh, develop a, a get well plan for your, for yourself first, right? Everybody wants to initially, oh, I need to fix work. I need to fix my relationship. I need to fix me and something else. It's like, no, man, go back. Everything that you just admitted that you were taking accountability for, that was part of the problem. Develop a get well plan for yourself first. Don't worry about anybody else. Don't listen to the people on the outside that are just, you know, have no idea what's truly going on. Um, you know, honestly, a family member of mine is, is doing this right now, and I keep getting on her ass. Quit putting stuff out to the public that is private and that doesn't need to be put out there, right? It shows your, it shows bad character. It's inviting the wrong things in to influence you and different things, and it's just like that's not the way to yeah. do it. It's a get well plan for yourself, right? Once you feel that has been, you know, worked on, and you're like, okay, hey. I'm never going to do that again because I've put in the work. I've done A, B, and C. I feel confident again. I, I can I can do this. Then maybe that's a that's a time to develop a get well plan to uh, rebuild, start rebuilding again. Hey, I took ownership for what I did. I I changed. This is how I changed. This has been my new pattern. This has been my actions and what I've been doing. I believe in them and I'm confident in them. I would like to reestablish this relationship. I would like to reestablish my responsibility as a leader, you know, whatever it might be. And then if, big if, if the other party is willing to say, okay, I, I agree. That's when you restart all the way back from square one at the building. 
you establish the boundary, rules that are agreed upon, expectations, effective communication, the ethos, you know, if you got an ethos, and then from there, it's actions and result, actions and result. Yeah. And that's the only way to do it. You yeah. can never sweep anything under the rug. Oh, that's not going to happen again. Trust me. Okay. And then, you know, whatever. It's going to be painful at times. It's going to take a lot of uh, focus, discipline, uh, conversations that are that are uncomfortable. Uh, and then, you know, as we always talk about, you're going to go take a little field trip to the Hall of Mirrors and uh, start start looking external. Uh, Raph, you're, you're quiet over there. I don't know what you're doing. I think you're coloring. I think you're in your coloring book again. But uh, <laughs> let's hear let's hear something from you there, Theo. All right, he's spicy today, Raph. Yeah, no, it's funny that he says I'm quiet. It's because you wouldn't shut up. That's the reason I was quiet, Mike. <laughs> you literally have not stopped talking since we've hit record. So thank you for – I'm glad ha Hammy's been able to at least get something in there edgewise. Um, honestly, it's not like I have really have anything to add to this. I, I, I will say something. Um, I'd like to highlight what Hammy said, though, on – and I really – actually, I even circled it. The corrosiveness that comes when you hold on to this, lack of a better word, hate, right? Somebody yeah. offended you, somebody hurt you, you have this hate, and like it just completely just throws your constitution out the window, and then now you become this angry, dark, you know, just can't wait to get back at, you know, the people or the person that, that did you wrong. And I think that's really important to you really have to acknowledge that. That, yeah. you know, that that state where that corrosiveness of holding on to that anger. And instead, try to flip that on its head and be like, you know what? What did I contribute um, to create this this breach of trust? And more importantly, more than that, um, it's trying the best that you can to put yourself in a state where you can be, where you can actually express humility. Because I think without that, that other the other tasks that we that Hemi kind of laid out so articulately uh, are going to be extremely difficult to achieve, if damn near impossible. Like, I just, I, I don't think that without humility and without that vulnerability that you were talking about, um, it, I don't think those can be achieved. I mean, maybe you could, but I, I think it would be extremely difficult. And more importantly, the bigger picture is when you allow yourself to, kind of, and I'm just speaking from experience. I'm not, no way am I lecturing. I am not standing on a pulpit spitting this out like I've got this figured out. I'm telling you because I've done this enough. And I hate myself when I put myself in this position because there's a dark cloud over me for like days, days at a time. You can ask my wife. She'd be like, yep, he's not lying. He's an idiot when we get in fights uh, and I'm my own worst enemy. But the big picture of it is you have to understand that by, by allowing this corrosiveness in you, um, you're actually also minimizing your own genetic potential. You know, Jordan Peterson likes to talk a lot about genetic potential and how it takes decades to kind of unlock it and then just kind yeah. of. Once you figure that out, I mean, just you're limitless, like literally with with your genome, with the, the abilities and traits and things that you've learned. And it's you're this powerful force. But if you allow this corrosiveness, you're literally going to be a fraction of, yeah. of what you're potentially capable of doing. And at the end of the day, you're hurting yourself. You're, you're hurting your family. You're hurting society because we need you to be at your best at all, yeah. at all times. And that's for everybody. Everybody needs to take that that kind of. Um, that cost. And then the last thing I think I would say is um, it was, uh, I think it was you, Hammy, who was talking about um, how did you phrase it? 
Oh, I, maybe it was you, Mike. You were talking about how, you know, action and results, action. Yeah, actually it was you. You were talking about action and results. And, and I think that's important. Action is the only currency that is worth anything when we're trying to repair this. Like, honestly, because you can say whatever till you're blue in the face. Yeah. No one gives a shit. Literally nobody cares. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the only currency that matters. Yeah. Actionable, right? I, uh, there's a guy that, that I follow occasionally. His name is Wes Watson, former inmate who kind of turned his life around and now he's uber successful. But he, he likes it. And I don't know who he took it from, but he likes to say lo- love is a verb, meaning it's action. Like it's yeah. not what you say, it's what you do. And it's, yeah. man, that's, it's really hard to put in practice sometimes. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think one of the, to add, add on that, and Raph, those are excellent points. I think to add, so how do we, how do we engage in that action? How do we sustain a healthy mindset? and balance and engage in humility. I think one, one characteristic that's, that's kind of excluded that we find more in ancient cultures that we, we don't see as much now, but you do, you do a little bit, um, is symbols, symbols and monuments, memorials, things that are a, a constant reminder of, of, of what that trust looks like. You know, I have a symbol on my hand that represents the oath that I gave to the best woman that I've ever met. Um, and the most beautiful in the world. So fortunately, it worked out for me. Um, but that being said, it's a reminder of trust. It's a it's a reminder of a, an agreement in, in my vow. And so I think when you have a family crest, I've got one hanging up in, on our wall that I designed. I implemented things from our, our family tree, but I made it new. And I, I added new characteristics, new symbols, new words. Um, and so and ironically, one of the three words that I chose to uh, define our family by is truth. Um, and so truth implies, and then as well as humility, humility as well. So um, uh, when you have those symbols around you, I think they're a constant reminder and a redirection, you know, a pinball machine, you've got a ball bouncing around and what are you doing? You're trying to redirect it in a way that's successful. And I think sometimes setting forth symbols, customs, uh, you know, uh, traditions, uh, you know, even rituals at times are a healthy balance to realign and refocus our trust. And they can go too far, no doubt, because then the ritual or the, the custom or the symbol itself can be the pinnacle of what you're trying to achieve. And then you've completely lost sight of, of the end state. Um, and so I think by setting up those examples in your life, by having a creed you recite in the morning, you know, by reading scripture or by, by doing things that set forth these reminders to you, these symbols, these expressions, it's a, it's a healthy way to sustain that degree of trust. You know, in, in ancient times, in many different customs, when you made a vow, you would each give each other a shoe. And that seems that's, number one, that's kind of gross. Number two, that's totally weird and abstract. Why would you give each other a shoe? The answer <laughs> is, well, because when you walk from here on out, you're carrying someone else's shoe on your foot as a reminder of a vow that you've given. They've got your shoe as well. So if ever there's a, there's a situation where trust is broken, they have that to present. This is a representation of the vow that was made here uh, so that you can then understand, you know, Raph, like what you mentioned earlier, your action is not in line with what was promised. Um, and so it's just a good way to help, I think, help keep you on the path that you're meant to walk down. And so I really think those symbols and those examples are are vitally important. I think we underuse them nowadays. That's a that's a good thing, Hammy. And, and you know, I have I have two words that that come to myself as far as 
you know, I don't want to say reminders, but they, they, they really are. And especially if you have it displayed in your house, you know, with your family around it, every time you walk by it or you see it, it's a, it's a good, it's a good reminder. It's just like, man, like, yeah, look at that. Like we created that, that, that means something to me. And it's a constant reminder when you don't feed your mind, you don't feed your soul with the right, the right food, so to speak. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to get poisoned, right? So it's, 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 it's healthy. And two of the things that I've really learned uh, these last couple of years, man, and it, really the last couple months uh, since I've been going to church and having these great conversations, uh, you know, of, of that style, uh, grace and forgiveness have been insurmountably powerful in my life. Uh, terrible things have happened to me, you know, failures, you know, go down the list. We've all had them. Okay. I did not like being that angry person. I did not being despiteful person. The, you know, the, how could this be happen to me? How could you, you know, whatever, like all those different things. I do not like living like that. And sometimes I caused it. And the biggest thing is, you know, and I take a deep breath before I say this because it, it, it helps, but give myself some grace. Like, if you heard anything out of this, nobody's perfect. Nobody is going to ever meet the mark every single time. You're, we're, in, we're fallible. Like we're going to make mistakes. We make mistakes all the time, whether it's because of boundaries, communication, you know, misread expectations. It could be a thousand things. Like, it's impossible to hit the mark every single time. Give yourself a break. Give yourself a grace. And then forgive yourself, Right. It's just not like you're you're this impenetrable machine or whatever that you're, you're you know you're holding yourself so close to be perfect and it's like oh man you know I messed up I made a mistake this is gonna define me for the rest of my life it's like no why are you putting that much pressure on yourself like you made a mistake guess what five minutes from now someone else is gonna make a mistake and then it's gonna like all the time and when you could take a step back and look outside yourself and just be like man there's been people who've been way you know they've made way more mistakes than i have way worse so like okay i'm not that bad you know and you start getting some outside perspective on it and then that's when the grace comes in and forgiveness for yourself for yourself you're not that bad right even if it was something atrocious there is a way back there is a way back for everybody and as yeah, long as you're willing yeah. Yeah, as long as you're willing to put in the work and the understanding and do some of these things uh that we've talked about Things are salvageable. There is a way back to where you want to be in, in all of that. And those two words, grace and forgiveness, man, key, key words in my life. Absolutely. Yeah, they certainly engulf. They, they, they certainly, they orbit around that word trust, kind of like electrons do around an atom. Uh, you know, now, they're not of the atom, but they're very closely related. There's going to be some overlap. I mean, those are going to be words you have to know whenever you extend trust. Yeah, so you're right that that grace and forgiveness is critical, and then followed by action. You know, put one foot in front of the other, and then fix it. You know, put your big boy pants on and go forth and do it. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny you mentioned pants because uh, you know we're talking about exchanging shoes, and uh, if I was going back to maybe a couple of years ago, Raph walked up to me and he handed me his underwear, and he's like. It's trust, man. And I was like, what? But now I understand it. It came from the shoe lesson and everything. I mean, Raph doesn't wear shoes. He wears uh these wooden these wooden shoes. 
What are those called, Raph? And on that note, I guess we should probably wrap it up. Huh? And, uh, we're taking up people's time. Some of us, some of us have to go do adult things, and we got an adult, you know, flying seven thirty-seven. Yeah. Hey, gentlemen, I just want to say thank you for having me on again. It was a privilege. Um, and for all of you listening, you know, keep tuning in. I think these guys are on to something really good. So thank you, thank you both for being here, or yeah. for letting me be here. Yeah, man, love to have you, you know, just such great points. And again, like reestablishing our relationship and talking about meaningful things. Is, is there anything, one final thing that you'd like to leave for the listeners, Hammy? Trust is difficult, but it will lead to a better humanity when given. And when, when discipline and focus is applied, I think trust is a, is a wonderful thing that creates what? Unity and stands in opposition to chaos and selfishness. So I think... Um, that would be a, a key thing. Well, you heard it from him. He quotes Marcus Aurelius a lot. There's a, uh, you know, there's the words from Cameron. I, don't know, I do this with Melon sometimes. Uh, Hamacles, Hamacles. How about that one? Hamacles. I like that. How about you, <laughs> Raph? What, what, what do you? Cheesy joke. All right, I'm done. Trust me. Hey, trust me. I will fix it. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Adam, don't don't delete this. Adam, please don't delete this. I want the I want the world to know the the comic strip character I, I work with. <laughs> Raph, what do you got? <laughs> what do you got for final word there, dude? Uh, nothing, man. I really just appreciate uh, Hammy coming on because it's been it really has been a pleasure for me to listen to you. Um, unlike listening to Mike, because I get dumber every time I listen to him. But like listen to you, just be able to articulate, you know, and again, trust is, it's difficult to attain. It's difficult to hold, you know, it's like a delicate little fire. You're always trying to like blow oxygen into it to keep it alive. And and I hope the listeners are listening uh, to us talk and learning from our mistakes and our, our lessons learned, not because we've got this figured out. We, you know, clearly we have um, a direction, but I don't think any of us have arrived. And I think that's just, that's just life. Well, just a you know, quick recap and, and for the listeners, you know, I like to put out challenges every week is uh bring up something that's going on in your life, whether it's a relationship, whether it's uh, you know, professional uh relationship, maybe at work or business or something like that. Think about, you know, through all these things, are you currently wishing you could build trust? Are you currently building trust? Have you established trust or has trust been broken? And take some time to sit there and write some of these things down that we talked about and, and kind of establish where you're at, uh, what steps you can take in order to uh, continue on your journey, no matter what stage you're at. Um, and like I said, it's all it, it's all doable. We've, we, we've all we've all failed. We've all broken trust. We've all come back from it in a lot. And then sometimes, you know, those just aren't reestablished. And I think we've all moved on from that. And that's that, that's, again, forgiveness and grace. So. Uh, take some time. Uh, we hope uh, this episode, you know, brought some light to trust. There's many different avenues, but I think we unpacked it pretty well. So uh, if you guys have any questions for uh, the three of us or with Melon, or we'd like to reach out to Hammy directly, just send us a message or an email and we'll make sure we get it to him and, and share the response out. Uh, thank you all for checking in and for the rest of the week, uh, you know, work on your trust. If you haven't yet, make some time. And as Hammy said, you know, it's going to lead you down a path that you won't regret. So until next time, take care. Cheers.